The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. You're listening to Germ Warfare with Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Germ Warfare at tntradio.live. It's my email address. Thank you. Uh, to those people who do send me mails and as always thank you for telling me where you are mailing me from i do enjoy seeing the reach of my show jump into the live chat and say hi and if you are watching us hello uh we are now 24 7 video live video feed uh i think on youtube rumble and uh, tnt's website actually has all the links where you can watch and of course if you miss the show you just just go to my my page on TNT's website, which is tntradio.live, and scroll down and look for the conversation in case you missed it. You can now listen to it and you can watch it. That's I love I love how internet has has changed the face of this sort of thing. I mean, it's just crazy. My guest who's coming up is in the UK. I'm at the bottom tip of the African continent, and Alex and who's who's with you, Alex? Is it is it Joel? Anoop, Joel, Joel, yes. So Alex and Joel are in Australia. I mean, how's that for incredible? I love it. I absolutely just love it. Anyway, all right, Alex, let's do this. My name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. Giving you what you want. I want the fact. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Fergus O'Connor Greenwood, <laughs> thank you for joining me in the trenches. You're welcome. Um, we were just saying a moment ago that some of the most difficult interviews are when guests give me one word or one sentence answer. So you are going to elaborate today. <laughs> you have a very thick book, so you, you have a lot of work to do yet. <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely stretch to two words if that's okay. <laughs> um, listen, your book, 180 Degrees, it is, it is a very, very good read. Um, I've, I haven't read all of it. I've read a lot of it. Um, and it's 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 just so enlightening. I, I, I'm amazed that more people that I know haven't read it. Well, you can always uh, buy them a few copies if you're desperate, Jeremy. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, now the response I've got so far has been uh, fantastic, to be honest. Um, I did a couple of other interviews. One was with Tim Price, for example, and his opening gambit was, uh, without any sense of hyperbole, this is probably the most remarkable uh, thing I've ever read in my whole life. So uh, hopefully it's not the only book he's read in his whole life. Otherwise, that may not be great. I think he's a pretty well-read guy. Mm, I love the uh, the metaphor usage, 180 degrees. I mean, that really is actually what it's all about. Yeah, because uh, in many ways, we're living through the age of inversion. So uh, pretty much everything we're being confronted with, if you flip it through 180, uh, you get back to the truth. So I say you need to invert the inversions to get back there. Uh, but it's not only just um, yeah, a saying, it's also a tactic. So, for example, um, if you reverse uh, what we were told in the last four years, i.e. a virus was released in order to bring in a vaccine. If you flip that round and understand, um, uh, sorry, I've said it the wrong way around. So uh, the vaccine was uh, produced in response to the virus. But if you, you think about how they, uh, how they behaved, really what it was was the other way around. And then everything starts making a lot more sense. I they wanted to bring in the vaccine, and so the virus story came in. 
Mm, I like how you said virus story because that's how I feel about the whole thing. It was just a, a complete fear campaign and it was just so well orchestrated. And then it, of course, fell apart for the most part. Um, I mean, you know, people took a stand, which I, I don't think they kind of expected. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd agree. There's no doubt that there's there's holes in everything. I mean, they obviously use the fake PCR testing in order to get mm. a load of uh, dodgy results and then amplify those. For example, there were stories in the UK of people, um, yeah, the testing laboratories testing the same test over and over again and counting those as separate cases. So as Sherry Tempenny said, uh, we had a case demic. We didn't necessarily have an epidemic. Now, I'm not, uh, I sometimes get asked, well, was there a virus at all? And I say, well, I don't really go into that for a simple reason. No virus is a bit like no plane on 9-11 and other things like that and sort of the flat earth. Uh, Why? It doesn't mean to say any of them can't be true. And I'm open to things like terrain theory. But um, if you're going to come at a problem uh, where you're going to lose 95% of your audience almost immediately, I think that's a wrong vector of attack. And for example, you know, we're going up against 160 years of virus theory. And I don't think either has uh, a case where it's an absolute slam dunk. And therefore, um, I think there's better areas to focus on in the last four years of where some of the problems lie. Yeah, I, I sort of, I sort of agree with you. I mean, I, I, I know the, the angle that you're coming from, and it's, a, it's a very good angle. I mean, I'm, I've been saying for a long time that we're in multiple information wars, and the whole point of being in a war is that you want to win. You know, you don't, you don't always want to lose um battles all the time because then you end up getting nowhere yeah i mean uh we can perhaps we can jump into it now if you want but uh i was going to leave it maybe to later on if we had time which was how to communicate the truth to others without alienating them because one Mm. thing i realized you're dealing with people with belief systems um And when you're dealing with people's beliefs, you need a completely different approach uh, to how you communicate with them to when you're just talking about ordering matters. Why? Because there's certain hurdles to get over. One of them is called the backfire effect. And that is when a person's beliefs are challenged um, in any way, they solidify their existing position more, not move towards where you are. Yes. Yes, I've seen that. And, then, and therefore, um, if, you know, you, I say you win by not winning is one of the techniques. I, if your aim is to convince the other person that you were right, you've already lost before you've opened your mouth. Why? Because you've got the wrong objective. In these situations, uh, the correct objective could just be keep the conversation going or better get them to ask you a question. Because once you're asking a question, they're open Mm. to receive the information. You can't give information to people not asking questions. That's very, very profound. And I I was actually talking to a friend about that point the other day um, because it's about strategy. Okay, you're in a war. 
So therefore, you need a strategy if you want to win. I remember back in 2019, I was mentored a bit by um, uh, former Portland University uh, professor Peter Bogosian. He wrote an incredible book call, called um, How to Have Impossible Conversations, and it was very much driven by He's the Socratic method. That's referenced in chapter four of my book. Yeah, and, and it's very much about the Socratic method, um, which is a highly effective way of communication. The problem with, for example, the no virus militant types is that they're not interested actually in discourse. They're interested in winning, uh, but they're interested in winning a power game, not actually uh, uh, changing the mind of people. They just want to show how, how great they are on the internet. This is a terrible, terrible strategy, and it, it, it falls completely outside of, of anything that you and I are talking about. Yeah, um, I often say it's like if you want to be proven right in 30 years' time, fine, or maybe be proven right, who knows, take a more extreme and uncompromising stance, and hey, you might be right. But as you just said, if we're trying to accelerate as many people as possible down that truth uh, scale, then it's a really bad way of doing it. And we're getting into more divide and conquer as well. I think the problem is, is with all these conversations, you've got to try and get your ego out of the conversation. And it's not that easy when you're chomping at the bit. So, I mean, there's one, um, uh, something called the truth communication trap. So that is, uh, you learn the truth, uh, you get angry at being lied to. Uh, this also inflames the truth tellers need to be right. You communicate that truth uh, while still annoyed at being duped in an under unconsidered way, triggering the backfire effect. Then you become frustrated that he's not getting through. Try bigger, try harder and fail completely. And so I recognized quite early on from writing the book, and obviously Peter has with his approach as well, is the truth movement doesn't have an evidence problem, it has a communication problem. And if yes. uh, the truth is putting more, as much effort into how to communicate the truth rather than what they're communicating would probably yeah. be a lot further down the line. But that's, I mean, what you're touching on actually <laughs> is, is, very, is very, very important. And it's, it's, a, it's a situation in which if we think back now to 2020, right, when the whole mask thing came about and the mm -hmm. vaccine thing came about, and I remember, I remember thinking to myself, have I actually convinced anybody in my immediate environment that these vaccines are bad? Because whenever I got into a discussion, it would become an argument. And the moment that happens, as you pointed out, they dig the heels in, I dig my heels in, and it, you get nowhere. Correct. So uh, if you've got to the argument stage, you've already lost. Yes. The idea <laughs> is to try and stop it getting to that stage. So I say any, so you want to keep them out of, that's what I call combat mode. Yeah. So you've got a, a defensive mode and combat mode, but any of those are, if they start frowning at you, folded arms, any kind of body language tick, any tonality in the voice, which is like, this isn't sitting well with me, uh, you've basically got two options. Shut the F up 
and uh, you know, just uh, live to fight another day. Maybe you could try and just maneuver the conversation back. I found in those circumstances, you can catch it early. You can just go, look, I'm not trying to convince you of anything here. I'm just trying to show you a possibility. It's up to yeah. you whether you want to know more. So at that point, they stop feeling like they're under attack. It's like, okay, this, you know, this guy isn't attacking me. That can then kick them out of this uh, combat mode or defensive mode, and then you've got another chance. But I'll give you one example where uh, I lost uh, in this, in the short, lost the battle but won the war, say, is I was talking about, I think it was about 9-11, I said something like, well, I think that's the truth of the matter. And my friend said, that's your truth, not the truth. <laughs> so my response was nothing mm. i just shut up just kept quiet yeah okay now what happened then surprised me because i thought well that didn't go so well but i knew by then that i needed you know non-response at that point was the right action to take I know more now that that's the case because two months down the line, I started chatting my friend again. I said, look, I've got my manuscripts. Uh, could you just look over the chapter on 9-11? I know generally mm. you believe the official story. He said, I might change my mind on that. Yeah, that's good. That's already a, a, a win. Yeah, so what had happened, I think, is because he felt he'd won the argument, he probably also maybe thought, well, maybe I was a bit harsh. And mm. you know what? I might just go off and have a look for myself about some of this stuff. And this is the other secret. People have to discover some of these things for themselves. So, um, yes. you know, and so you're trying to, some of the solutions I give, some of them are like, uh, be kind first, be right later. So kindness is also always helpful. So, for example, you the analogy I use is imagine you're picking a traumatized puppy up from the dog rescue home. You're not going to walk in there and start trying to teach it a new trick. You're going to go in with love, compassion, empathy, maybe feed it. Uh, it the same works with the human variety. So what you're trying to do is seed, not succeed. And seeding an idea is a bit like planting an apple pit in your garden. You're not going to do it on Tuesday night and expect to see a fully grown tree on Wednesday morning. So why are you expecting that other person to change their stance overnight? They're not going to because you're missing the fact people need absorption and processing time. Mm, I think it was Stephen Covey, uh, if I've got it correct. He wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And uh, one yeah. of the one of the one of the, his statements is um, listen first before being heard. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. So I think this was also you referenced Peter earlier, um, and also James Lindsay. I mean, it, mm. I normally do it the other way around, but uh, I've I've, I've borrowed. James's work because it's a perfect run up to this, the five by five matrix of uh, understanding tyranny and the different players in it. But what I liked about Peter, I think he said, 
Uh, do not even open your mouth or present. No, don't present any evidence until you've fully yes. understood who you're dealing with, what their value yeah. system is, blah, blah, blah. So I've uh, separate to that, there's uh, I came up with something called uh, you slide from A to Z. You don't jump from A to Z. So um, if you're if you're talking to someone who believes the government's telling them the truth, they're at A on the scale. If you want to start talking about satanic ritual abuse, they're going to look at you like you've got three heads. So yeah. why, why are you going down the deep end of the pool when you should be starting off in the shallow end of the pool? And it's not question. So they, at the A, they need to move to B, then to C, then Correct. to D, not yeah. jump them through. So it's your job is to understand where they are on that scale. And I've been asked like, well, Give me what's at A and what's at Z. And I said, well, I can't because it differs for different people. So, for example, uh, what is A for one person might be not A for someone else. So if you're talking to someone in the banking industry, maybe CBDCs are A. And if you're talking to a nurse, maybe the injections are A. But mm. so it's so what I can do is give you the tools and principles, but the individual then needs to apply them. But there is a great, um, I found a couple of sentences off the internet, um, which I think give a very quick summary of some of this stuff. And it says, everyone needs to stop trying to red pill people. I've been pink pilling people um, that are in a coma. I take one small truth and show it to them and let them think about that. Then they will start asking questions. Then I will show them another, and it is working. And I've given these techniques out. We haven't gone through all of them, but uh, most of them at the end of Chapter 4 in the book. Uh, and people have said their success rate in communicating has gone exponential. And I mm. think this is the point. Is we can get to everyone with a word of mouth. I mean, podcasts like this help a lot because you're immediately getting in a much wider audience immediately. But my argument is you can get to everyone in the world in just 10 steps. If you started off with a room of, say, <clears throat> 80 people, you know, mm. and if you give these tools to those 80 and say, just go out and have some conversations. Now, if they only have one conversation, then they'll speak to another and speak to another. That's going to take 8 billion steps to get to everyone in the world and the chain's going yeah. to break. It's not going to work. But what if you do two, two and two, three, three and three? Well, then instead of 8 billion steps, you're down to 33 steps and 21 steps. And if you can do 10 conversations per person and they go on to have another 10, then you can get to everyone in the world in 10 steps. And I think that's doable. All right, let's carry on with this after the break. My name is Jim. This is TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen. There's a dark cloud which is gathering over Ukraine. This has been an absolute disaster. In the last month alone, as I reported previously, Ukraine's lost 13,000 troops in October. So what does that mean? Well, you can guess that recruitment is probably down. So right now, the government in Kiev, the Zelensky government, is doing forced conscription. Morale is at an all-time low. Uh, we've also seen conscientious objectors uh, who are taking to social media, like Telegram, who have reported 
reported uh, that they were just finished a six-month prison sentence uh, after refusing to go to the front line. Some of the forced conscripts rebelled, were imprisoned for six months, did a six-month sentence, and then the day before their release, they were put into a van and then sent to the front line. I kid you not. Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Right now, the forgotten poor are waiting for healing and care, for life-saving medical care, for a chance to live with dignity and hope. They are waiting for Mercy Ships and you. Mercy Ships is the largest floating civilian hospital in the world with volunteer medical staff and crew who donate their time to save lives. And now, as our newest state-of-the-art hospital ship sets sail, Mercy Ships will double our ability to reach children and adults who need us now. Without the work of Mercy Ships, these patients don't have another option. Mercy Ships is answering the call to serve suffering people who have nowhere else to turn. Together, we are going to some of the world's most desperate places and bringing a wave of hope and healing to those who need it most. To learn more about this wave of hope, go to mercyships.org today. Plug in. Website. TNTradio.live. Check it out. Today's News Talk Radio. It's the coolest. TNT. Focus. one of the problems that I have uh, found over the last, oh, shall we say, year to two years is, excuse me, this, this, this truth, this truth or truth movement thing that I'm not part of. Um, in which they go, well, all that matters is telling the truth. All that matters is the truth. And uh, and so they are happy to jump from A to Z uh, because yeah, it's right. the truth. And, and, and so therefore nothing else matters as long as, you know, Fergus, I don't care what you, what you believe. There are no viruses and everything else you say doesn't matter because there are no viruses. And if you don't believe that, you control the opposition. Yeah, I've heard the argument you've just laid out there, and I think maybe we've covered a little bit of it. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's sort of let's be a zealot and uh, off we go. Uh, there's two problems. A, as you said, it provides an opportunity for divide and conquer, and mm. it certainly, um, yeah, in some ways, actually, maybe this is an interesting point. I think actually a few people, I'm not saying they have in that particular case, but it wouldn't surprise me, is because the people were fighting against the quite masters of this type of uh, area, they will deliberately send in uh, disinformation agents or disruptors to go to Z and talk about that within people who are A, B or C. Because they they know... Well, then you you get somewhere, but it's a big negative. This is where mm. the whole problem with the conspiracy theory term, um, which wasn't really in general circulation, certainly not in the States until the 60s. And then after the JFK assassination, there was a CIA document. I think it was 1035936. He said, OK, uh, let's start calling everyone... Um, who's querying anything about this conspiracy theorists, you know, tinfoil mm. hat wearing nutters. And so it be, actually became uh, a weaponized term in psychological warfare. So, and it worked brilliantly for decades, to be honest. Uh, the good thing is now, I think it's not working at all. 
and in fact is counterproductive because so many of the conspiracy theories all became conspiracy facts and the truth that uh, if you keep banging on with a strategy that in the end is uncovering your methodology that you're just shooting yourself in the foot in the end but i do think back to your point there will be people that will go to these extremes in order to disrupt people and think well the, you know everyone who thinks that is just nuts yeah um so what then is a good strategy um well uh some of the points i've already said which was be kind first be right later you win by not winning uh, certainly a good one is, uh, we mentioned as well, uh, don't make statements, uh, ask questions. So a question tends to open the mind, a statement tends to close it. So mm -hmm. you're dealing more, remember the emotional brain comes first and the logical brain comes afterwards. So I think Jonathan Hyatt, for example, gives the example of a rider on an elephant. And he said, the rider's your logic and reasoning and the elephant's the emotions. Obviously one's much bigger than the other, but his advice is talk to the elephant first. Mm. I, um, I'm just thinking about the whole vaccine story. You know, the problem also is that you're talking about an actual liquid that's being injected into your body. And in many, in many cases, there was a sense of urgency in this instance. Like it wasn't a, a case of asking questions when they were like, you know, I need to get this and I need to get this. Uh, there, there, were, there were definitely heated arguments as you will, you know, no doubt remember. Um, mm -hmm. But I think, I think in many cases, you, you still win by asking questions you just have to be perhaps more strategic in your questioning definitely more strategic and understand what's driving their behavior so the whole idea mm. of why fear. everyone's put into a state of fear is because it actually switches off your critical thinking ability it turns you into more a childlike state where you're just far more malleable and will generally do what you're told and because that level of thinking isn't there, um, that's when they fall into the trap of just being herded along. I think one of the reasons for writing the book was not only to show what's been done, but how and why it's been done, because I'm a great believer if you understand um, the psychological warfare that's being applied to you and can see it in advance, you're much, much less likely to fall for it. But, you know, uh, to be fair to the general population, they're not experts in psychological warfare. Um, and it just shows you how powerful fear can be because you're thinking, hang on a second, you know there's been stuff in the past. If, you know, vaccines take 15 years to be tested, but hey, you know, we've got one straight out the box here. Do you want it? Um, you know, we've got all the Nuremberg uh, trial laws that came out and, you know, everything went against all of that. And you still couldn't get through to some people. And I think this is where one of the quotes from um, Yuri Bezmenov comes in, who was uh, an ex 
AGB uh, de facto when he spoke to G. Edward Griffin in 84, and it was that famous a, a person <laughs> who is demoralized is unable to assess true information. The facts tell him nothing. Even if I share him with information, with authentic proof, even if I take him to a concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it. And mm -hmm. it's like, okay, so bear in mind there will be a percentage of um, the general public, maybe 10, maybe 20, I'm not sure, exactly sure how big of that is, but I wouldn't say it's more than that, uh, where you may not be able to reach them, full stop. But it doesn't matter because you can focus on the other 80% and they're the majority. Yeah, and I think it was also the CIA, I forget now, I don't have the quote in front of me, but I think it was a former head of the CIA said something along the lines of, uh, we've, we've won essentially when the general public no longer asks questions. Um, and, I think it was and, William uh, Col Colby or something, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that's what you're talking about is actually how you fight this entire thing is by asking questions. So it's a, it's a very, very pivotal uh, 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 point to understand that asking questions is a lot more powerful than making statements. Way more powerful, yeah. So yeah, if I could give one piece of advice, just ask a question, and it can be the most innocuous uh, thing going. It's like, wow, crazy times we're living in, hey? What do you think's happening? You know, yeah, totally non-challenging, and then that's a good way of extracting out of people where they are on the scale. There's a comment here uh, by Pablo. He says, uh, "If if we are adults enough to accept the big picture, uh, then we will." Oh, I don't get what he's saying here. We will deny stupidity as our strong weapon. Oh, okay. So, in other words, this was another thing that I I found that just really accelerated in the last few years is the amount of insulting that just goes, oh, you're an idiot. And I, I found myself guilty of that in 2020. I got very angry at everybody wearing masks and just blindly com complying. But I also found that insulting them didn't really change their mind. <laughs> Weird that, isn't it? <laughs> you idiot. Uh, yeah, you know. I, I think there's been a growth in it because for a couple of reasons one um i think online it's much easier to be you know the bully without any consequences you know if you go and tell someone they're an idiot to the face you might have uh, a fist in yours so uh whereas online you know you get a lot of people projecting their own uh, self-worth issues onto other people without really any consequences but I think there's also been through the educational system um, this uh, push to try and move everyone more into their emotions and out of their logic and keep people in a more infantile mindset and this is also I think uh, manifesting in some of this yeah you've also spoken about um the emotional and intellectual journey uh, that that people go on and so the last few years have been exactly that they've been this combination of emotions and intellect yeah and it's just uh i suppose we've all got that uh, shadow work to do on ourselves as well in some ways in that um quite often people uh, act as a mirror to ourselves 
and so uh we're sort of someone's placed in front of you who then triggers you for some of the issues you've got within you and the shadow work you've got to perform now in your book you reference uh, peter bogosian and also james lindsay both of whom i've had the great pleasure of of interviewing and james has got some really great insights absolutely and so i he i came across this in the last year and i thought this is brilliant for two reasons a it's true b it needs to get out to a much wider audience which is why i've snaffled it and just tweaked it but i always give him props uh, on it beforehand i think he also referenced charles eisenstein and rene girard in building this so i've just tweaked a couple of areas but uh, on his new discourses channel he was talking about the five by five matrix and it's a really good framework of how to understand tyranny so and take you through it quickly so if mm. you think we've got down the left hand side we've got the different groups and along the top we've got the descriptions the tools of control what they're liking what they're motivated by and more most importantly how do you flip them so if we take it through the vertical rows uh we start off with the ringleaders then you have the strivers then the normies then the doubters and then the rebels okay so you're taking the whole of society and putting them into five groups obviously it's an oversimplification and within the rebel category they're probably uh the least monolithic group of the lot because you've also got reactionaries and possibly new ringleaders coming out of that group but i like to keep it nice and simple just to get the key uh points across so ringleaders, strivers, normies, doubters, and rebels. So if we look at a description of each, uh, the ringleaders, well, they're uh, driving the agenda and the narrative. Makes sense. The strivers, well, they don't really care which way the political wind's blowing. They just want to be on top. So um, if we're talking, say, I think Catherine Austin Fitz has used a similar term called the piggies. As long as they've got their snouts in the trough, whatever's going on around them, they don't care about. They're, they're getting fed and that's it. The normies, well, they're generally mystified and confused to what the hell's going on. The doubters, well, they've got some skepticism, but they're a little bit reluctant to put their head above the parapet. And the rebels, well, I'd call them the bullshit detectors and the people who are actually speaking out. So we then go into how do you control each of those groups? So the ringleaders are generally controlled by blackmail, which we'll go into in a bit more detail later, and what I call the inner circle. So um, blackmail's straightforward. Everyone understands that. The inner circle is a lot of people are told they're in the inner circle, but they're not in the inner circle but it's a great way of getting everyone on board to think they're special and that they're really going to be part of the uh, <laughs> on top at the end when in fact they're going to be thrown to the lions. Yeah. So um, we then have the strivers. Uh, now they're controlled by incentives and threats. So this is classic carrot and stick. And if I was to give some specific examples uh, over the last four years, 
your doctors, for example, would be a classic group which would be under the strivers category. Why? They got paid for doing the injections. We can't really call them a vaccine because they weren't. Um, and they probably were threatened with losing their job if they spoke out. I mean, we've seen what's happened with yeah. Doc Mallet recently in the UK and others. Yeah. Um, so the strivers are like, okay, uh, I don't want either of that. I'll just take the money and, and carry on, even though they're probably more aware than a lot of what's really happening. Not that all of them were. Um, the normies, well, you control that though through the media and propaganda. Uh, the doubters, well, they're actually controlled by demonization and ridicule of the rebels because they're not too sure put, about putting their head above the parapet. They see someone else getting stomped on the light. Mm, okay, I'll just keep quiet. And the rebels, well, because they won't keep quiet, they will be controlled via uh, censorship, cancellation, and if you're really over the target, elimination. Okay, so mm. that's column. So what are it's each a... of them lack? Go on, sorry, Jeremy. No, no, I just want to quickly go to a break. Let's carry on after the break. It's, this is really, really good stuff. Uh, so I'll be back with you shortly. My name is Jeremy. This is TNT Radio. Deweaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Remember that song years ago, Lunatic Fringe? I know you're out there. Believe me, I know they're out there. I simply watched these people in the climate change cabal and listened to what they say. John Kerry is out there, and I will give him credit. At least he did not say a half billion people like Hillary Clinton. But the latest is that climate change is causing respiratory problems and has killed a half million people. Now, where do these statistics come from? Are there death certificates now that say you died because of climate change. But we've got this guy from France, I guess, Francois Jimin, a professor at the University of Liège and a specialist in environmental geopolitics. What the heck is that? He spoke on French TV about the threats of cats and dogs. Listen to this one. Cats and dogs are a disaster for the climate. A cat is a disaster for biodiversity. Do you hear that, Maisie and Shooter? And a dog is a disaster for the climate. Positive proof, folks. The lunatic fringe, except they may not be fringe anymore, is indeed out there. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog. Oh my goodness, a dog. That's a disaster for a climate. Asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. There are 16 million children struggling with hunger in America. That's one in five daughters, sons, neighbors, and classmates who don't know where their next meal is coming from. Yet billions of pounds of good food go to waste every year. It's time we do something about it. Feeding America is a nationwide network of food banks that helps provide meals to millions of kids and families in need. Visit feedingamerica.org to help them feed even more. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Talk that matters. Germ Warfare and Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Sorry, Fergus, I cut you off there, but we had to go to a break. So if you don't mind, please just continue that last bit that you were telling me about the Matrix. Yeah, no problem. So we just finished with the tools and controls for the different groups. The last one was the Rebels, where we said 
it's cancellation, elimination, and the worst case, uh, sorry, cancellation, censorship, and the worst case, elimination. So um, if we then go to the third column, again, back up to the ringleaders, what are they lacking? Humanity and empathy. Uh, the strivers, they're lacking morality. Uh, normas are lack normies are lacking information. The doubters are lacking courage. And the rebels are lacking fear. Again, it's a more complex um, mm. situation in the rebel category, but we're just trying to get the key points across in order to build a framework. So motivations of each of those, the ringleaders, they're motivated by power and control over others. Uh, the strivers, they're motivated by money and social status. The normies, now they're motivated by the status quo. They basically just want to go along to get along, don't want anything to change and can't understand really what everything that's going on on a deeper level. The doubters, well, they're motivated by fear and the rebels generally by truth and ethics. Again, slightly more complicated than that, but I'd say that's the best one to pin the flag on. So we then get to the interesting bit, which is how do you flip each of those categories into being a rebel? Because the idea being, once the rebel category is big enough, basically the whole narrative collapses. So to move the ringleaders into the, you know, to flip them into being a rebel, that's probably the hardest lot of, uh, the hardest group of the lot. But if you could obtain the blackmail that's being used, material that's being used against them, that would be an effective way of doing it. For the strivers, um, yeah, they may be winning now, but if you can point out to them that they're not going to be winning in the not too distant future or their children are going to be living under a tyrannical regime, that may be enough to nudge them. If it isn't, you can explain the concept of the useful idiot, because if out of any of these uh, five groups are the useful idiots, the strivers are the ones. Why? Because, well, let's go to a definition. So in political jargon, a useful idiot is, is the term used to reference a person perceived as propagandizing for a cause, particularly a bad cause origin, originating from a devious, ruthless source without fully comprehending the cause's goals and who's, who is cynically being used by the cause's leaders. So, and this is what many of the strivers are. I would put the doctors in there. I would put a lot of the parliamentary people in there, MPs in the UK, senators in the US. And the thing about the useful idiots in history is they're generally the ones that get shot first. And if they understand that, then maybe that's enough to motivate them to start speaking out and not going along. Uh, now, the norming. Um, yeah, go sorry, on. go on. No, I'm just going to move to the next category, but if you've got a question, hit me. No, well, it wasn't a question. I was just going to say, I, I find, uh, uh, although it's, again, very simplified, but I do find some overlap with Matthias Desmet. Uh, he he mm -hmm. argues that, that, that there are essentially three groups of people, and I think it's all kind of pointing in the same direction, but you'll say that around about one third of people will, will not go along with the status quo, um, and maybe around about one third actually but less will just stay fast asleep and then there's this big section in the middle 
which is actually bigger than a third. So I'm getting my, my numbers wrong, but that big section in the middle is is basically the people that you want to nudge and push over the edge. Uh, it's kind of similar to what you're saying, but I think his is, is more psychological. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I do like uh, some of Matthias Desmet's work, uh, but I particularly like this idea of this floating anxiety he brings up mm. and the fact yeah. because people can't really understand what's going on, they don't have anything to pin their anxiety or there's this floating anxiety within them and that makes them highly malleable. Uh, where I disagree with Matthias is I believe he's sort of put a lot of the blame at the feet of the common people for falling for some of this, but fails to, uh, I think, mention the military-grade propaganda that we're all subjected to. And so I like to bring up, uh, have you heard of Hanlon's Razor? I have, but I can't remember what it means. So it's the never attribute to malice that which can be adequately explained by stupidity. Mm. I've got a new razor to apply to that, and it's the inverse of that. And I say don't attribute to incompetence that which is better explained by sociopathy. Yeah, that makes sense. So you get a lot of people saying, oh, you know, you know, it's like mistakes were made. No, they weren't. It was all a plan that was very well laid out. Once you understand where their objective was, was to get everyone vaccinated, a lot of what looked like incompetence along the way isn't. So, for example, you get a lot of flip-flopping. Oh, uh, wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Go outside, no, you've got to stay in. And you think these people don't have a clue what they're doing. Wrong. Because under the rules of psychological warfare, inconsistency is a way of um, destabilizing and confusing yes. your opposition. Uh, in so fact, Sun Tzu wrote about that. He wrote, he wrote about that in The Art of War. Keep your enemy confused. Uh, yeah, uh, I will be will be dropping back in at Sun Tzu towards the end of this conversation <laughs> when it comes to the fifth and tenth generational warfare. Um, so let me just finish off the Matrix yes. very quickly, and we can jump into those. So we got to normies with uh, to how to flip them. Well, basically, because they're missing the information, what you're trying to do is communicate the truth. And we've gone through some of those techniques and how to do that. Um, the doubters, well, because they're motivated by fear, you could scare them to death, i.e. scare them more than the government is. Um, if that doesn't sit well with you, uh, you can also use the argument that was used against the strivers and show them what's coming down the pipe. And then I say with the rebels, well, they already know how to flip. Mm. So... Um, so yeah, so I think that gives a great framework for understanding again, you know, we're trying to find where people were on the scale from A to Z. This is a good framework of working out which category they're in and you can adjust your pitch accordingly. Yeah. I mean, the thing is though, is that you have to be, very, you have to be very patient. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, as we said before, it's back to the seeding of the pit, the apple pit in the mm. ground. You, you, if you're expecting to change them on the spot, 
you need to change your expectations because it's probably not going to happen. And it's, what you're really getting to here, actually, Jeremy, is uh, the difference between lies and truth. Uh, so there's different aspects to um, how lies are versus how the truth is. Do you want to quickly run through those? Yes, but we are uh, slowly running running out of time, so um, just keep that in mind. Okay. What? Well, how long have we got for? Is it one or two hours? I got told it was one. No, 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 no. We've, no, we've got about five or six minutes left. Oh right. <laughs> okay, brilliant. <laughs> I thought we we're on for a two-hour one. So uh, right, <laughs> I'll, I'll, maybe fifth general warfare and tenth general warfare are going to have to go out the window. So let's on finish on this then, because it's um, it's a shorter uh, episode. So. Uh, yeah, uh, if you if you tuned in hoping to find out what tenth gen warfare is, the war for your soul, you might have to just be patient on that one. <laughs> so, uh, five aspects of truth. So, uh, what you said is you need some patience there. Yes, because you're dealing with the truth. So, for example, lies are fast; the truth is slow. Uh, and if you're trying to usurp sort of natural law and how the universe works which you are doing if you're trying to put truth into people quickly it's generally not going to work uh, there's a few phrases like uh, truth lives the wretched life but always survives the lie so for example uh, yeah there's another one which is the you know the lies halfway around the world before the truth has even got its pants on so there is a difference in speed, and it's up to us to respect that in order to maximize the effectiveness. However, the good news with the truth is that generally truth is built on a foundation of rock. Uh, lies are built on a foundation of sand. So the lie never makes it to the other side. So there's this, and there's this thing that you can say truth's an exponential function. So for example, uh, with exponential functions, they do nothing for a very long time and then do everything all at once. And that's what happens with the truth. You've got to keep grinding through the gears and grind it out. And you think you're getting nowhere forever. And then suddenly everyone knows about it. We've also got like the hundredth monkey uh, uh, syndrome going on with that is that there's a collective consciousness, I believe. And the more the truth gets out there, the easier it is for the truth to get out there. And I would say uh, lies are expensive, the truth is cheap, because you've got to use a hell of a lot of bribery and corruption in order to keep the lie, you know, the truth suppressed. Telling the truth is cheap. And the last thing is never forget uh, with truth, it's a one-way valve. No one who has woken up and seen the truth is ever going back to the other side. And therefore, yes, it's a slow process, but it's, you know, how do we win very easily? We never give in. Well, that's a very, very good note to sadly uh, bring the conversation to an end. But let's talk about how I can get your book. Okay, so there's basically two ways. Uh, first one is off Amazon. I think it's in 15 different countries. So whatever your country you're in, it's print on demand. 
So um, you should be able to get it available through there. That is uh, the paperback version. And I say it's print on demand. If anyone wants a hardback version, uh, they can contact me directly. Uh, can I give out my email address? <clears throat> sure, okay. It's fergusgreenwood at protonmail.com. I'll spell that because it's the Irish spelling of Fergus. So F-E-A-R-G-U-S. G R E E N W O O D. So Fergus Greenwood at protonmail.com. Um, I'm happy to send them all around the world, but uh, it's not that cheap because postage is expensive. But it depends if you want a signed hardback. Uh, they are a higher quality uh, than Amazon print on demand. Fergus O'Connor Greenwood, thank you for joining me in the trenches. I am going to invite you back. Okay, Jeremy. Thanks very much for having me on. Don't go anywhere. I just want to quickly ask you a question. Have you heard of, uh, because it's Christmas time, I have to do this. Have you heard of, of Boney M? Yes. Okay. So my guest yesterday hadn't heard of Boney M. So this is what he thought. Alex. Bone M&M or whatever it is. <laughs> Bone M&M. <laughs> Bone M&M. I'm, I'm gonna sure never stop M&M would be delighted about the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Bone M and M. I can't get over how brilliant <laughs> that mashup is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's brilliant. <laughs> One more time, Alex. Bone M and M or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo I love that. I love it. It is the silly season, Fergus. Listen, um, I really enjoyed your conversation. Thank you so much, eh? Hey, no problem. Nice chatting with you. Yeah, if you could, can I get uh, the emails or contact details? I will. I'll, I'll do that. I'll I'll do that after the show. If you don't mind, I'm just going to pull everything in. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, but, uh, no rush. But uh, if you could do as an intro, that'd be better because I know when sometimes you send emails, they're just getting thousands and so no, no, that's lost. fine. That's fine. Listen, let me let me just quickly uh, end my show if you don't mind. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> send me send me an email, Jim Warfare at TNT Radio Live. I want to say as always. Thank you to Alex and uh, Joel. Uh, Joel is the reason why you are watching us, and uh, Alex is the reason why you are hearing us. And if you have any complaints, uh, email them to me, and I will never let them know. <laughs> um, my email address is jimwarfare at tntradio.live. It is such, such a great time of the year. I love the city season. Oh, one last question I wanted to ask you, Fergus. Um, you said you're Irish. Now, here in South Africa, if I order an Irish coffee, it comes with alcohol in, alcohol in it. In Ireland, is it just called coffee? Uh, well, number one, you've asked me a difficult question because I'm not actually Irish. Well, it's not a difficult oh, question, but I've oh. got to give you a whole explanation which you don't have time for. And no, an Irish coffee in Ireland would still have alcohol in it. <laughs> but one of my question is, do you just call it coffee? <laughs> <laughs> no, they do separate the two out. Otherwise, I mean, I know the Irish have an epic reputation for drinking. Uh, hats off They make to it them. great. They but make great, great whiskey. If they whiskey. actually all started waking up and having Irish coffees, uh, I think they'd be in even bigger trouble. All right. I'm out of here. Last time, my email address is germwarfare at tntradio.live. Uh, give me feedback. Give me questions. I don't mind what you do. Send me an email. It's a... It's just the time of the year when I'm in a good mood. I hope you're in a good mood too. I'll catch you tomorrow. My name is Jerm. This is Jerm Warfare. The Battle of Ideas. Bone.
Amen.